Hello. And welcome to Stephen Rowland's Beer Podcast. Episode 304. Ooh. 304. Ooh. I sound thrilled by that. <laughs> <laughs> you are as ever the, the joy up. and light in my world. Thought you were going to drag up a memory related. 304. Uh, no. Maybe a bad, bad, bad bus ride. <laughs> <laughs> Friday night on the 304. Uh, I fell asleep on the 304, ended up in Oakley. It's not a bad place to end <laughs> up, to be honest. <laughs> Decent brewery. Oakley? <laughs> what have they got in Oakley? Uh, Oakley Brewery. Oh, yes. uh, <laughs> they're, not, they're not imaginative when it comes to naming these things, but they more than make up with it with a beer. <laughs> very, very straightforward. Mm. So, this week we have... Such and Hob Day, which is a name I'm familiar with, but yeah. I um, can't well, honestly remember if I've had their beers. I'm pretty sure we had one on Beer Mods way back when. Mm. Um, they are London based, they're one of the Bermondsley Mile crowd. Um, started in 2011 as Mr. Abstach and Mr. Hob Day, who were at university and decided that home brewing was a good thing to do. Uh, crowdfunded themselves. It, about five grand, which they bought a one litre brewing, oh sorry, one a one brewer's barrel kit with. I can say one litre's one pretty litre. small. <laughs> That's nano. That's the future. Uh, yeah, a one, a one barrel kit, which is super small. Um, set themselves up uh, and started from there and are now fairly, very well established in that kind of Bermondsey crowd. A lot of their stuff's historic spears, so they do a couple of porters and... Um, so they're using a brown uh, ales and tra- no traditional recipes then, like. uh, yeah or certainly traditionally inspired mm. recipes um, this is fits in, in that category as well actually uh, this is a cream ale which is an American style beer be honest it's not one I've ever come across before well, I had a question as to the nationalities from the labels one of them British and one of them American I'm not sure to be honest because the label's got a rounders guy and a baseball guy mm. so I was watching Hobday very much a London brewery um, however yes the beer it's, this beer is very much an American beer um, it is brewed using, I believe they've got laurel hops in it, which is a, an American one that's become pretty popular the last couple of years. Um, quite citrusy. Yeah. Mm. Actually, I really like the hops that. Um, so cream, cream ales. Cream ale is one of these leftover styles that, if you think about it, they don't. it's not a very positive thing. So what happened was... Cream ales are lager brewers got big in America. Like nine, start of the 20th century, lager brewing became a thing in in America I'm, I'm and started to brew really well. Given that you know the vast majority of the Midwest is made up of uh, Germans. Yeah, uh, a German brought lager brewing, and for lots of reasons, uh, lager brewing became dominant in the U.S. Uh, ales became a very small part, and big lager was born in the U.S. Um, this was the cream ale was kind of an attempt to deal with that, which combined cheapness mostly. Um, it used so maize um, as a portion of the malt bill, 
Oddly enough, if you're in America, maize, pretty easy to get hold of. Um, so rather than using just malted barley... They used it for just about everything, maize. They started using some maize yeah. in there. Don't they use and a maize in uh, everyone's favourite American export, Budweiser? Quite possibly. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure. They definitely use it for moonshine. So yeah, <laughs> so it's a traditional brew ingredient because it's readily available. Um, they also quite often use a bit of um, you know, sugars and stuff in there because this, these were all attempts to reduce your um, the cost of what you were producing, basically, by using something that was cheaper and easier to get hold of than malted barley. Um, this is also the reason that in, like, in Europe, that traditionally these kind of beers would have been seen as being, these adjunct beers they would be called, were a little bit frowned upon um, for various reasons. But the cream ale was, was an American um, style of beer that used maize in there, but was otherwise very much what they would consider a lawnmower beer. So it fits into the same category as the lagers. It should be pale, it should be thirst quenching. It should be the kind of thing you drink ridiculous amounts of without even noticing that you were, it had flavor. Um, thank, of course, I've watched Hobbs Day have tried to reinvent this with a little bit of a twist. So although it's still got the maize in there, They've got the laurel hops there rather more generously. They've reinterpreted it a little bit and tried to give it a bit more hmm. uh, character than maybe some of its original incarnations had. Yes. Well, this is first quenching. It's certainly not lacking flavour. Uh... Mm. Yeah, that's definitely more generously hot than <laughs> most you see nowadays. Interestingly, uh, it, it seems to have gone through the same um, change of strength and bitterness and flavour as we've seen in the UK. So pre-prohibition uh, cream ales were typically stronger. Oh, really strong. Typically, the, yeah. The iron law of prohibition. Yeah, typically stronger, typically also more bitter because you're stronger. Um, and what you saw produced these more recently, as we saw in the UK with like our, our bitters after the war, was uh, beer after the war was weaker, less bitter... Which war are we talking about? First or second? Second World War particularly, but First World War as well. Both yeah. of them saw well, substantial First dots. World War, they were watered down, weren't they? It was um, Lord George's Lord George's, uh, Lord George's beer. Yes, yeah. they weren't watered down, but they were also... It was Even after the war, they never bounced back to the levels they'd been at before because uh, getting hold of ingredients was difficult. The cost of ingredients was high because of the, the after-effects of the war. Um, same... Seems to kind of happen with the, the cream ales. So the pre prohibition ones were stronger and bitterer. Well, part of that is uh, most people, uh, when they do a tipple or go to a party and enjoy a little something extra that might not be quite so legal, uh, people generally tend to prefer their drug of choice uh, much more mild than they would expect. Mm. And the iron law of prohibition means that, well, they've got to get as much product out for as much profit. So that drives up the strength. So that's one of the reasons, tangent, that's one of the reasons cannabis is getting way strong. It's because of the illegality of it. Like yeah. most people would prefer uh, a weaker version. Like mm. if you look at North Korea where it's legal, uh, it's an original land race and it's not very strong and it won't get you that high. There you go. How's it? I'm, um, I'm curious how that would. Uh reflecting some of the other nations that have legalised or have recently legalised uh, I mean it's it. still available and there's still an appetite for the strong stuff yeah. but I think y y your average person that would dabble at a party and not get a habit mm. 
like uh, cocaine when that was legal uh, or it used to be they used to brew the tips of the leaves like just like tea mm. just like tea and provide a mild, As they still do mild in, stimulant still do in Bolivia mm. um, yeah and, and also a lot of it is, is that that impacts your culture and how you use it mm. um, you know like the British are associated these days with session drinking <laughs> like you can't do session drinking if you've got 13 if your, your session beer is a 12-13% beer which is what some of the the 19th century British beers were but those were beers that were intended to have as one-offs they weren't intended that you'd go straight from work those, and spend the evening drinking them those beers would also fill a huge calorie deficiency yeah a lot of, a lot of extra sugars in there that haven't been fermented away um, lots of lots of extra stuff there and but they filled a particular niche and I think that's one of those things when we see prohibition you see a period where nobody was well there was drinking but there was not drinking in the way there had been drinking in the past no you were looking at watering down moonshine weren't you? yeah and you, people you who were drinking people who were drinking weren't used to drinking in the same way so actually when they encountered a bitter beer for the first time they went oh wow that's bitter so you you actually see a jump down in, in standards whereas we we for example we see that thing where the, the bitterness levels for, for me because they're a beer quite bitter it has to be fairly bitter because mm. I'm very used to drinking beer I'm very used to what bitterness is and I enjoy it I'm if you want me to be go oh wow that's a flavoursome bit, bitterness you know being British we're quite bitter beings mm. particularly the ones from the north oh I oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so on the cream ale you get those I, I really like the use of laurel here actually I think that's the hot flavour for me is really nice and it it kind of works there's a little bit of that kind of creaminess that you get from the the maize in there that actually works really quite nicely with the mm. the lemony flavours for me yeah I'm, I'm, I mean I'm enjoying this but I mean I've enjoyed uh, past tense it's my glasses just Long in particular. Yeah, it um, disappeared fast. Yeah, I mean, unusual. I've never, I've never tried this particular style of beer before, but it's, um, it's, it's ticking all the boxes for me. Um, yeah, fair play to them for trying something a little bit more unusual, um, certainly for the UK anyway. So um, I think I should give this a score. Yeah. Come on, the door. Come on. Seven and a half. It's good. Um, I, I I've enjoyed it. Uh, I'll probably have another. Um, yeah. Hmm. I'll pass it across. It's certainly slipping down easy. I find the flavour is quite light. Hmm. It's definitely creamy on the nose. Uh, the complete and utter lack of carbonation in it, like no bubbles at all. That's mm. interesting. I'm not sure if that was intentional or not. Yeah, I'm not sure either, but uh, I certainly noticed it. Um, it's a peculiar one because it's so light. I generally like punchy flavours. Uh, stay in a reasonably safe six. It's above average, but not. It's not blowing me away. I'm. I like it. I did have the end of the, the bottle. Offensive. I had the end of the bottle and uh, I wanted to get the most out of it, so I maybe not poured mine the best. I think mine's probably got 
even more kind of creaminess and heaviness because I got that end. Um, I got quite a lot of that creamy flavour. Um, the sweet and sweet corn, one of the maize kind of thing coming through quite, quite strongly. Um, and I'm not when I've had these kind of beers before. I've not always been a fan of that. Here, I think it paired really, really, really well with the laurel hops. I'm really impressed at their choice of hop and how they've paired that. And I think they brewed it really well technically because I think you could have ended up with something that tasted... I, th I think you could end up with something that tasted like a generic American beer or American lager, or you could have brewed something that was very, very strongly kind of sweet corn flavoured. And they have not done either of those things. They produce yeah. something which is both. It does lean that way quite nicely, but also avoids. Yeah. Being part of that group. Like yeah, I think you get lots of those kind of. You see where they're referencing, but it's also something that actually, I'll very happily have another one of those on a, a hot day. Um, I would put a little oh, yeah. bit more carbonation. Um, our weather has not hung around long enough quite for this. Um, <laughs> There was, a couple of weeks ago, there was some beautiful weather for this, and I think... Oh, fake spring. Yeah, but our fake spring was lovely. If we could bring that back, this would be perfect. Um, yeah, it would be good. Because this is definitely... Fills that... For me, it fills that lawnmower beer. It sort of slips past without noticing. Yeah. Yeah. It's flavoursome, but it's easy, and it would be really nice, cold and refreshing. I think they've done a really good job brewing that. So I'm going to go eight and a half. Ooh. Hmm. Um... I think that they're one that I don't tend to see actually much in the shops up here. Apparently they export quite a lot. Um, but if you're in London, you can go to the tap room and, and you kind of see them around a little bit more. Um, but they're one that, since I don't see them very often, I kind of have been surprised a little bit when I have one of their beers again. You're like, oh yeah, I thought these guys were good. I've forgotten that. Uh, <laughs> so they managed to sneak up on me despite the fact they are very well established. Something about hob days ringing a tiny little bell. Like, that name's come up fairly recently. I think on that note we're we're about there. So I'm gonna drink up and shut up. Yeah. yeah. We're done.